0: Hey folks, this podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. Stacey Adams is a travel expert, blogger, hiker, and rider who has worked in the adventure travel business since 2003. Her Active Travel Incorporated is the premier provider of world-class equestrian vacations in over 17 countries. And her commitment to offering only the best experiences for average horseback riding enthusiasts includes personally inspecting each trip to assure the best in services, personal comfort, and amenities. Stacey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. This is going to be so fun because I think you happen to have the coolest job ever. (laughs) I do. I really do. So fun. Let's jump into it. I'm so excited to hear about all the things, but first let's play our little game. So before this interview, I asked you to prepare two truths and one lie. So go ahead and read those in any order. And I'm going to try to guess which one is your lie
1: you know what, this was harder than I thought it was going to be because I could either come up with like, they were all like truths. And I'm like, oh no, wait, that doesn't work. And then I was like, oh, I could say this. And then I realized that they were like all not true. And I'm like, well, it doesn't work either. So this was really, this was a fun exercise, but not so easy. So, okay. So my first one, I didn't start riding until I was 37 years old. So that's my first one. Okay. My second one is Of all the places that I've traveled, Rome is actually my favorite city internationally, not Rome, New York, Rome, (laughs) Italy. So, uh, and my third one is this company is committed to not offering a trip unless we know it personally. So again, the first one is I didn't start riding until I was 37. The second one is Rome is my favorite city. And the third one is we only offer trips that we know.
0: Oh my goodness! Okay, I'm gonna say you've been so many places, and Rome is like amazing. I'm sure I've never been, but you know it's on my list. But I- I'm gonna I'm gonna just take a total shot in the dark that that's your lie. That Rome is actually not your favorite. <laughs> Now I have to tell you, right? Yeah. Which one? Was I right?
1: Was I wrong? (laughs) So Rome is actually my favorite city. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, then which one's the lie? (laughs) Um, so, So I started riding when I was six years old. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> and Yeah, but but it was it's funny because, you know, so many of the folks that come on these trips, 85% of them tend to be women. And more than half of those people are women that really didn't start riding until they were in their 30s and 40s, and sometimes even their
0: 50s. It's pretty common. That's awesome. They're living out their dream. And I I love that, right? If it's in your blood, it's in your blood. And sometimes yeah. it comes out later in life, but you get there. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, you know, because not to sort of harp on that, but you know, since
1: 85% of our clients are women, you know, as women, they're working, they're raising families. I mean, they're doing all of these dynamic things. And so in their younger years, they just don't have time, energy, or sometimes the resources to start riding. So it's sometimes they have to wait until their kids are launched or until, you know, their career is well established or retired. So, yeah, I mean, it's really pretty common.
0: And you get to help make those dreams come true. How fun is so, that? It's the best. I mean, it is just totally the best. I love it. Well, let's let's talk more about it. Let's give people some more background. Um, so what is Active Riding Trips? How did it come about? Can you give us like that backstory? So the way that the company came about is really, you know, not
1: to be too ancient, but it really came about from the ashes of another company. And there was a, a very long-standing, very well-regarded equestrian vacation company that was super powerful in the industry, probably one of the biggest domestically in the U.S., but it was privately owned. And the owner had a health crisis and literally had to close the company. And at the time, you know, I was working for her. So that's one of the things that you never really want to do is have to close a company for somebody. It was really a unique experience. But really, every single place that we worked with that and I knew them all personally every single one of them called me privately and said you have got to keep working with us and sending us clients because we know you and we know that you'll send us the right people and you've just got to do this and that so I mean literally active riding trips came out of the ashes of another company and it's it really has just flown i mean like a true phoenix it's completely flown and taken off and the other funny thing about it was that we were going to come up with some really catchy name and you know like it, it was just going to be something really cool and and active riding trips was like the working name when we were putting together the business plan and all of the financials and stuff like that and when we started brainstorming about what can we name this company that says, we offer these great trips that are for actual riders. Like they're designed for people that really know how to ride, not for just people who think horses are, oh, aren't they pretty? You know, and so we started brainstorming. And at the end, we were like, yeah, just active riding trips. Like that kind of says it all. <laughs> so, so yeah, good, don't no fix funny. It's not broken, right? Like use yeah. what works. <laughs> but it was, you know, you know how you come up with a working title for something and it's yeah. never meant to be like, like the thing, but in this case, we just left it. Hey, it it works. It says everything I need to know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's what you need. You know, you need something that people can look at and go
0: and and understand what it is. Well, I think you were very, very smart then. Well, (laughs) I think it's super fun. And I and clearly it came out of the ashes and it fulfills a niche, right? Like otherwise it wouldn't be so successful. So people are seeking you out, seeking out this service. So it has a place and it needs to be there and you get to do that, which is amazing.
1: Totally amazing.
0: Well, tell us more about your role with the company. So what is it that you do specifically? Right. So, you
1: know, I'm the one that signs the checks and keeps the lights turned on. Basically, I own the company and, you know, the actual title, the official title is president, but that sounds so impressive for someone who just makes sure that everybody else gets to keep coming to work, you you know, and we don't, we don't run a super formal organization like that. You know, we like to have fun. We like to talk to other folks about their riding. We love to fulfill these fun dreams. So we try not to get too hung up in, in titles. And when I say we like the company is not super huge you know there's three other people that work with helping with reservations there's a bookkeeper and there's an IT guy like that's it it's a pretty lean staff so yeah I mean it's it's not this ginormous big office because people are like oh we want to come you know see your office and we're like well first of all you'll be really unimpressed because number one we all work remotely we don't have an actual physical office <laughs> we <laughs> sure you know we get together for team meetings and stuff like that but you know there's no there's no brick. And mortar place for it, and that's by design. You know, when we started in back in two thousand eight, you know, we could have rented an office space. But the thought behind that was, well, what's the point, you know, like we're going to spend all that money on rent when everybody has their whole setup at home. It gives them more flexibility and, you know, anything we don't have to spend in overhead translates directly to the cost of the trips. So anything we can do to keep right. the cost down, it benefits everybody.
0: So you guys are booking the trips, right? Being that advocate, getting these vacations planned. Do you get to go to...
1: Oh, yeah. Well, And so one of the things that I had said in that like two truths and a lie thing is that we won't offer a trip unless we are personally familiar with it. And that is so critical because, again, like. The thing that we love about our trips is that they are totally geared toward riders. They're fun. They're active. You're moving out. It's not nose to tail riding. We just don't offer that. We don't offer day rides. You know, Mm -hmm. if people contact us and say, we just want to ride in the morning in this area, we're like, we don't do that. Good luck. Search the internet. You know, I mean, (laughs) like, it's not our thing. So it's super important that the horses are are great, that they're friendly and fun to ride, and that the the scenery is great, that the hotels where you stay are comfortable and not run down and dirty, you know, that you get a good meal. So you can't know that unless you actually do it. And that sounds really like a, a great job. And and generally speaking, it is a great job, except for when it doesn't work out that, you know, it's when you're going to look at a place and it's not what you think it is, you know. But sure. It's, it's generally a great job. And so one of the things that's super important to me is that anyone who works here has to make an annual travel plan to go to at least one, if not two places and they can choose. It doesn't matter to me, you know, but typically we try to send folks on one or two trips a year so that they can, and they go, you know, they're going just like a client is going, meaning Mm -hmm. they're not going the way I go. Like when I go, I look at Every little thing and it never, the switch never turns off, right? Because I'm trying to look at it and be critical about it so that I can see where the holes are, see what needs to be changed. But I want the other people here to go and just enjoy it the same way a client does. So that's a a true bonus to working here.
0: And and that's the part that everybody loves, right? Yeah. (laughs) Sign me up. That sounds like a great (laughs) little benefit. Yeah. Well, can you walk us through like a typical day for you? um, Maybe when you're not on a trip, like what is like the behind the scenes sort of look like to get, you know, from point A to point B?
1: Sure, sure. No problem. So a lot of our facilities are in Europe or in Africa or even in Australia and so and, and New Zealand. So my day starts pretty early. I'm generally up around 530 and, you know, I'm having that first cup of coffee, letting my eyes sort of adjust. But I'm pretty much on email right away because I'm looking for you know, any answers from the day before, or I'm trying to get information out to them, you know, while it's still prime time, middle of the day where they are, or just the end of the day where they are, or in the case of Australia, like sort of the morning, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I spend from about six in the morning until maybe seven, seven thirty on email. And then I get, you know, get my own derriere moving. Uh, and I try, you know, I try to get out and do a little bit of exercise in the morning. Um, so that I'm sitting, you know, I'm showered and sitting at my desk no later than eight thirty. by eight o'clock emails are starting to come in from clients. You know, I'm starting to begin the rest of the projects that I'm working on. And those things, and those take up kind of the rest of the day with interruptions. But those are things like updating information on the website, uh, working on email blasts that are going to go out in the future. I have about probably seven or eight different travel sites, just general travel sites that I monitor every single day. It's, you know, it's important to sort of stay up on what's going on. And especially these days, now that the world is opening up. So here we are, Portugal has just opened Uh, literally two days ago on Tuesday or three days ago on Tuesday. So knowing that, and letting people know who have been waiting to book their trip to Portugal, like timing is everything because they want to go this summer and they want to book their airfare. And so, yeah, so I spend quite a bit of time monitoring those sites, sharing that information out directly by email and certainly on social media. The other piece that is important is I also try to spend some time doing research, either research on general travel or specific to new destinations that we might want to include in our cache trips so yeah I mean between all the interruptions that happen I usually (laughs) don't get all of that done every day
0: (laughs) so sure (laughs) of course well that that's great that that's very tangible look of this job is glamorous and super fun and it does involve travel but just like any other job right like it's all about communication and you're there emailing and trying to help people at the times that make sense for them and all of that totally resonates with me (laughs) yeah the fun stuff right yeah it is fun it is fun well let's talk about some of the trips you've been on so the ones that you've taken personally like let's hear about some of those or some that are available on your website and I'd love to know which has been your favorite so far (laughs) sure
1: it's pretty slick I mean like we we now are in 15 different countries and we have over 90 trips and with the exception of about two of them. I have literally done all of them and some of them multiple times because when I take a trip, so like, for example, we were joking about how Rome is my favorite city. So if I go to look at the ride outside of Rome or to revisit the ride outside of Rome, I'm also going to make it a point to go and see the hosts of the Tuscany rides because it's only a few hours. It's not a big deal, you know, and I'm going to go do some research on some places that we don't work with just to see what's out there but you asked about like you know all of these different rides and the ones that that resonate with me so i have two rides that when people say what's your favorite ride these are like the two rides that just keep coming back time and time again in I'll list them and then I'll explain why. Okay. the The first one is the ride that we offer to Machu Picchu in Peru, which is unbelievable. I mean, I'll talk about that in a sec. But the but the second ride used to be uh, our safari ride in Kenya, although I've sort of expanded that to basically any safari ride that we offer in Africa, whether it's Namibia or Kenya or Botswana or South Africa. Um, so why do I like those two rides? So first, I I happen to be in the fast camp riding category. Like I like any ride where we get to really move out for a period of time, it's just fun. Now mm-hmm. that that being said, I'm not a fox hunter, you know, so, and I'm not a cross country event rider. I'm too chicken for those two things. So, but put me on some flat ground and give me a good old gallop. And I'm like, all right, all in, you know, totally all about it. So the safari rides are like that. It's like 60% walking because you're with the game. You're literally like shoulder to shoulder with zebra and wildebeest. Those are not dangerous animals. They're just magnificent. And you're about, oh, I don't know, 50 yards away from elephant when you're riding. But then you have the chance to just flat out gallop with a herd of wildebeest or to gallop across the plain. I mean, it's, but the thing that is so just unbelievable about these safari rides is really twofold. The first is the fact that you are seeing these wild animals. I mean, the big five, you're seeing rhinoceros, you're seeing water buffalo, you're seeing elephants, you're going on drives where you're seeing lions and and cheetahs in their natural environment. And you know, when you're on it, it's really difficult the first couple of days. You have to sort of keep reminding yourself, holy cow, this isn't a zoo. Like these animals aren't behind a fence. Like we are right here. This is the real deal. You know, and it and it's just it's just incredible. And everything about the African culture is just so uniquely different than our culture here in the US. I mean, everything, you know, their religions, their languages, their crafts, the customs, the, the way they prepare their food, which is really tasty and wonderful. I mean, it's just, it's so different. There's nothing like it here. You know, or even in Europe, none of the trips have any commonality with any of the African safaris. And the other thing that makes the safaris so just totally slick in my mind is that you're literally living like English royalty. I mean, you're staying in a tent. So you know that can be different for some people, but it is not camping. I mean, it is nowhere <laughs> near camping. It's a walk-in tent with a real bed with bona fide nice high thread count sheets and squishy duvet covers. You have hot water showers. You you know it's it's like being in out of Africa. It, it's just it's magical. I mean, it's really it's like being one of the English explorers a 100 years ago and nothing is off limits it's just great you know so that's that's kind of my two cents on on the safaris uh, because there's no and there's no other ride in the repertoire like them nothing nothing even comes close to them because they're just so different you know yeah the The second one, the ride in Peru to Machu Picchu. Now, come on. Like the majority of people have heard of Machu Picchu, these ancient Incan ruins that were rediscovered in 1911. So they had been there and then the people all left and they were overgrown. And there was this whole story about like this ancient lost village and this man, Hiram Bingham, an explorer, a real like Indiana Jones type explorer, American, finds them, discovers them in 1911. And it's fascinating. I mean, you ride on one of the pilgrimage trails to Machu Picchu. You cross through the Andes, you see condors. I mean, and, and that's one thing you know, just sort of backing up a little how I said it's super important to me that we know these trips. So when I tell you you're going to see condors flying, that's a guarantee. It's not like, well, if the moon is at (laughs) the perfect stage in the sky, And there's no rain. And, you know, it's your 34th birthday. Three days later, you'll see a condor. No, I mean, it's like so when we say you're going to see condors, you'll see them. And it's amazing. So it's just like when I say when you take one of the rides in France, this particular ride, you're going to see flamingos. You're going to see them. You can't miss them (laughs) uh, unless unless you don't. You know, unless you're blind, but it, so anyway, it, it's like you're riding this this Incan trail. It's a pilgrimage trail. You're staying in luxury lodges. So I'm a huge fan of it. We started working with them in 2004. So even before active riding trips like that, that old company, the company that that burned down, they started working with them. That's how I met them. So these now, since then, since really even probably in the last 10 years, they've been awarded twice or three times by Condé Nast and by Outside Magazine as one of the top 50 trips of a lifetime, which is a tremendous designation because you figure they're competing with all the adventure trips that are out there. And so, you know, here you are, this is the kind of stuff that we're offering and the people that they use that are the hosts and the staff for the lodges are all local villagers. The the culture down in Peru are the Quechua people. And so all of these people that are serving the meals, that are doing the housekeeping, that are bringing you beverages, they're all little local villagers. And, And a village there might only be 12 people. And they've all been trained in hospitality. This is now work for them right in their own little space. And what they've created is just magic. There's nothing like it because everyone else who's hiking the Inca Trail is totally camping, like sleep on the ground, camping. We're riding the Inca Trail and we're staying in these lodges. We're sitting in the hot tub at the end of the day with a beverage. You know, we're eating these wonderfully prepared meals. And then we have this private guided tour of the ancient city of Machu Picchu. And it's just, it's just magical. And, and I, it, the other kind of great thing about it is There's a couple of things that I won't say uh, that happen on the trip. There's a couple of really neat things that happen as part of the itinerary that are super special. And every single person that comes back from the ride to Machu Picchu says that trip changed my life. It was such an amazing uh, just some of these things that happen just really changed my life in a in a very internal way sort of way or spiritual way you know it's just it's really such a gift so those are my two those are my two sort of top picks i'm sold
0: (laughs) i want to go on both i feel like you just transported me to africa and then over to peru in the matter of minutes and i just now i'm just on vacation for the rest of the day in my mind
1: (laughs) great i love it you can you can come we sell. we have lots of weeks available so you know (laughs) And Peru yeah. Peru was one of the first countries to reopen for COVID. They opened up in April. So literally we had the very first week that they were open, we had clients there. So, and, and
0: they did a marvelous job. So it was great. Wow, 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 wow. Well, thank you for all of that. <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> I think you just uh, transported everyone. That's that's just amazing. And there's countless. Like you said, you have 90 different trips. So, I mean, those are just the two highlights, like uh, France and Rome. And gosh, there's just so many options and just so many magical experiences to have.
1: We really try to find trips that are different from each other. So, like, you know, let me pick on France for a second because we've got quite a few trips in France, but we try to make sure that the itineraries for each trip or the areas for each trip are different from the others. So that if France is your thing, because we have a lot of folks who are big Francophiles and France has a, a huge amount of diversity. And because so many parts of it, are old. I mean, like really, truly old. It never gets old to go to a different area of France and learn about the people, the culture, the the traditions in that area versus one of the others. So even when we have trips that are in the same place, like France, for example, or even here in the States, like we have several trips in Arizona, but that's fine because they're all unique. They're different from each other. The experience you're gonna get is gonna be different so that if you wanted to go back to the same geographic place, no problem. We can still give you a different experience so you're not repeating the same thing. Although interestingly enough, we have a lot of clients who love to repeat the things that, that they loved.
0: So yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I can totally see people doing that. Myself would be one of those people. I loved it. I'm going to do it again. Yeah, <laughs> Fabulous. Well, let's um, kind of rewind a little, and we're going to talk a little bit more about how you got here, because everything you just said is, Dream job, like you've made it. (laughs) I think a lot of people are, you know, wow, how do I do that? So can you kind of talk us through your journey? So how did you get here? Like education through to today? Like how did you end up at active riding trips?
1: Sure. And it's I'd love to tell you that it was charted in my in the stars and I had this all mapped out from the age of eight years old. But (laughs) yeah, does life ever actually work out that way? (laughs) I mean, I I thought I was gonna be a millionaire by twenty five. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, I I have uh, a master's in communication, which was uh, really an organizational communication, and my education was really all about. Helping corporations with their employees and how to create a more productive workforce, how to help people work better in teams, how to help people if they're transferring to new areas and not logistically. It had nothing. I mean, I don't know anything about logistics of relocation, but it was about how to assimilate into the culture of wherever you are, whether it's a new domestic culture moving from the south to the north or whether it's like, hey, I'm moving with my company over to work in Ireland, you know, it was, it was really about how to effectively ease that transition and, you know, make a more efficient, effective team for, from a corporate standpoint. So in the end, through a series of really lovely twists and turn well twist isn't the right word I would say bends and slight curves you know I ended up working in sales and I worked for a fortune 200 company and I sold office equipment and from there I went back more to the training side of the business and started training their salespeople on not on equipment but like the equipment you know equipment is equipment all you have to do is get in there and practice with it but this was again how to relate to the client that you're approaching, how to assess a need, how to find, you know, a solution that actually is exciting to them, not just something that they're going to spend money on. Mm -hmm. And that literally was a lot of fun. I traveled 100% of the time because I covered a territory that was up and down the East Coast. And that was not glamorous, but it was fun. You know, it's being on the road 100% of the time is not as glamorous as people think it is because you never get to ride your horse. Back then, the banks were only open until noon on on Saturdays. The dry cleaners were only open until noon on Saturdays. People were still wearing suits to work. So like, it was important to be able to have access to those things. Anyway, traveling 100% of the time. And I got tapped by a headhunter to work for a company, a travel company who was looking for someone to be their salesman manager and to help their sales team. And lo and behold, it was the company that went down in flames, (laughs) but... But just for the record, they didn't go down in flames. I'm just reminding you, they went down in flames because the owner had a health crisis, not because their finances were
0: were in that
1: shape. And and as it turns out, that travel company was an equestrian vacation company. And the reason that the headhunter tapped me for it is because let me back up. This was back in the early 2000s, late 1990s. So still in those days, you're Resume needed to not have any gaps. So at one point, I had taken a year off of work and worked at a barn at a local dressage barn. And my, my point for doing that was number one, I had never owned a horse before. So I thought this is going to be great because I'm going to learn all there is to know about what it's like to keep a horse or 35 as it was at that barn, (laughs) because I thought I would eventually get a horse and keep it on my own property. And I'm going to get to train with this person and, and improve my riding. So I had done that for a year as a caveat The one thing I learned after a year is that I'm a boarder. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of work that goes into keeping a horse of your own as anyone who has one knows. So I like the ability to show up when I want, ride when I want, and then travel and not worry about it. But. (laughs) But so that stint was actually on my resume. So when, when the headhunter tapped me, he just said, I have a travel company that's looking for this sales mentor. He didn't say anything about the fact that it was equestrian tourism. And so how I ended up here was sheer, I, I wouldn't say luck. I mean, you have to have your information out there. You know, it has to be in out there publicly visible and you know you have to be open to change and it was a huge change right because i went to work for them and here's this small company you know i leave this fortune 200 company and i go to work for this company that's like doing eight or ten million dollars which is not chump change but it's it's still significantly smaller than a fortune 200 company and my parents about how to coronary you know my mom was like oh what about your benefits and what about your pension and because at the fortune 200 company, you had all of that kind of stuff and you were vested in their stock options. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was just a big safety net. And, you know, and I just said, Hey, look, I think this is a unique opportunity. And I'm young enough that if, if I decided I don't like it, or if it doesn't work out, I can get back into the mainstream workforce. Like it's no big deal. And, mm-hmm. but look how it's worked out. It's worked out <laughs> amazingly, but you have to be willing to take that chance to, to say, okay, I'm going to go try this. You know, what's the worst that's going to happen. And it's sort of like, it's sort of like riding, right? Like I'm going to go ride this horse. I don't know what's the worst that's going to happen. Well, I could end up on the ground. Well, let's hope not, you know, I'm just going (laughs) to grab mane.
0: I'm going to grab mane and hang on for the ride. That is quite the journey. I mean, I, I love that you said that too, that you did take that leap of faith because if you hadn't, you know, who knows where you'd be. And look at all these adventures you've had because of it. So take the leap yeah. of faith. Yeah,
1: I th- I, but you know what? So much of life is like that. Everybody can relate to the fact that there are no givens in life and nothing stays the same. And even if you have a job that you really love, it changes as well. I mean, you know, either more responsibility gets dumped on you or you get a promotion or, you know, things change. So yeah.
0: And as we saw last year, sometimes they change a lot. Boy, <laughs> don't they ever. I'm so glad you guys are like everybody, not just you guys, the world is getting back to normal so that you guys can do what you do and people can go and enjoy things. And whew, we're looking up. <laughs> it's finally Amen. Looking up. Sister, amen. <laughs> We made it. We made it. I We're know. getting there.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and thanks be to God and to all the powers that be for that. Because you know what? There's a lot of people who who haven't made it, either work-wise or otherwise. We feel so super lucky here. So super lucky.
0: So very true. Given your journey um, and given the amazing trips you just described, like I mentioned, I think a lot of people are probably listening to this thinking, wow. <laughs> Like what a, what a way to go, you know, what a, what a career, what a job. Um, so speaking to those people who are thinking this, is, this is my dream. What's your advice to them? Like if they're going to pursue, you know, being in the equestrian travel industry and equestrian tourism, what is your advice to those folks? For me, it comes down to three things and they're all three are
1: pretty simple. The first and, and really most important is work hard, you know, work Hard, don't be lazy. Don't try to get by by doing the least you can do or even the average. You know, push yourself and put out a quality product no matter what you're doing. And and we joke about that. Like here, when we're in our team meetings, we're like, my dishes are the cleanest because the joke is if you're just washing dishes, make sure your dishes are the most spot-free and shiniest ones. Like take pride (laughs) in your work, work hard. So that's my first, you know, the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say, and this is to me so critical, again, in any part of your life, but always do the right thing. Do what's right. So I'll give you an example. You know, we we have policies for when someone is booked on a trip and then has some reason that prevents them from taking a trip and depending on when they have to cancel their trip depends on how much of their investment they get back or don't get back but we work really hard if someone is a week from their trip and everything is fully paid we work really hard to try to not have to say sorry that you lost all that money. You know, we try so hard to find an alternative for them that we would feel like, gosh, we want someone to do something like this for us if we ever ran into a problem. You know, nobody wants to be that company that's like, sorry, that's our policy. I mean, mm-hmm. those are horrible words. I mean, mm-hmm. it's true. It's our policy that that you don't get anything back, but do the right thing. And then the last, the third piece that I would say to someone is, prioritize yourself, make time for yourself, put your phone down, like get away from it, cut the cord. Having that time where you can re-energize is so critical. It can't just be all the time work, you know, because again, you're not going to work hard and really give it your all if you don't take the time to not work hard, to just go have a great time somewhere. And you're not going to be motivated to always try to do everything you can for someone unless, you know, unless you're truly vested. So those are my three things. Work hard, do the right thing, make time for yourself.
0: I love all three of those things, like formula for success. Um, we call that like your work hard point. I always call that get passionate, right? Like if you're passionate about what you're doing, you're going to do above and beyond. You're going to take pride in your work and you're going to be proud of whatever you produce because you're passionate about it. And that really applies to like all three of those things. So listen up people. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, you work in the equine industry in such a unique way, right? I've done a, a ton of these interviews now for the podcast of just all these different facets of the industry. And in my eyes, like you are an equine industry professional who is very unique to many of the other people that I've talked to. Um, So I love to ask this question and get your perspective. So in your own words, what does it mean to you to be an equine industry professional?
1: Gosh, there's so many things that like come through my mind. I, I would say that we do feel like we are a professional in the industry and that's a huge responsibility, not in a bad way. It's a huge responsibility in the best way because people are looking to us. They're looking to us for guidance on where they should go and why they should go somewhere or what they should pack or how they should extend their trip. I mean, you know, they're looking for advice, right? And they're looking for this unique expertise that we offer in terms of travel and not just horse related, but like we do. So so we do things like we'll say to them, part of our packing list is we consider the fact that you should take a seat saver, a piece of recommended equipment. And we think it's important. You don't have to do it. It's not obligatory, but it's going to make your week a lot more comfortable if you're on one of these super fast paced rides with seven hours a day in the saddle, you know, and so It's totally fun. I mean, it is a huge responsibility because you sort of have to be the example in that respect. So for example, uh, to that point, before I started working in this industry, I generally never wore a helmet. Um, Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. But when I started working in this industry, I started looking around and this had nothing to do with the debate on helmets or no helmets. But I started looking around and thought, that's an industry best practice. And as someone who works in the industry, it's your responsibility to always be practicing those those things, those best practice items. You're not, you know, it doesn't mean that people have to do it but you're an example. And especially to the younger crowd, right? Like we're looking to, for, for the kids to come up through our summer camp programs and then to become adults on their own right and book their own trips. So, you know, it's super important to be able to do that and, and to, you know, sort of be that example and, and be that resource to folks.
0: That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, I love that. Those industry best practices, definitely you're the leader on that, right? Like you're the voice of reason. (laughs) That is a great, great way to look at it. And I'm sure that people, I hope people heed your advice. (laughs) I I hope so too. I mean,
1: we just, I I just put out an email blast because we just, found out about this totally slick product. It is an at-home COVID test that you do via telemedicine. So you you hook on with your phone or your computer and this test. And why it's so slick is because it's approved by almost all of the airlines. And in order to get back into the U.S., if you're traveling internationally, you have to produce a negative PCR test, not the rapid test. So here you are in France, or here you are in Italy, and before we found this at-home kit that you can purchase. Part of your trip was going to be trying to find a place to get a test in a country where you may or may not speak the language. And I mean, and it takes away from your trip. So we found found out about this at-home kit that you can buy and take with you on your trip. The thing is amazing. So we put out, you know, as an industry best practice, I mean, I threw a quick video together and sent it out and said, hey folks, this is your ticket to ride, like pun intended, but like this this is your ticket to ride you know you can buy this slick little kit carry it with you and then 72 hours before you're leaving your destination you do your telemedicine appointment with this test and they send you what you need to get back in the us this is great that's awesome. oh, you know, it's like, yeah. so, you know, and so that's the kind of stuff like, again, you know, we're always looking for stuff like that and sharing it out and trying to be that person that is the resource for it. And, and it's this is these these testings, these covid testings are the way of life right now. Hopefully mm-hmm. it'll subside. But, you know, it is what it is right
0: now. So let's try to all work together and find the best way to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. People looking to you for advice for that. I can't even imagine how many COVID questions you've answered in the the last 18 months. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the, the funnier thing would have been to try to to track those responses because you want to sound like a total idiot. Track your responses because one week you're saying X, the next week you're saying Y. A week later, you're saying some combination of X and Y. I mean, you know, yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, you're not alone. The CDC did that too. So (laughs) everybody's trying to figure it out. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Stacey, this has been so much fun. I I just want to like, I don't know, follow you around and like jump in your suitcase and (laughs) go on all these grand (laughs) adventures with you. Um, And I'm sure that other people would love to connect with you too. So um, where's the best place that people can connect with you and learn more about what you do, um, get involved with active riding trips and yeah, book one, where can they do that? Yeah, the, the best place to sort of see what we're all about.
1: I mean, obviously all the trips are on the website, which is activeridingtrips.com. Or, or if they don't want to do all that typing, they can just type in ridingtrips.com. So that has all the trip information. But if you want to see all that cool stuff that I was talking about earlier, like the travel tips and you know everything that we're doing in terms of, hey, this country's open, that's all on social media. That's on our Facebook page, which is actually active. Riding Trips, Equestrian Vacations, and we have a totally nice group of folks on there. Our Instagram is also Active Riding Trips, where we share like really fun, pretty pictures of the trips and videos. So those, you know, two different places, right? Like the website has all the pictures. So active riding trips.com has all the pictures, itineraries, you know, but it's sort of static, right? But then all of the dynamic day-to-day, here's what's going on today, is on the Facebook page, Active of riding equestrian vacations or the Instagram but they can also sign up and they would do this on the website or or on social media. They can sign up for our email blasts because in the email blast we send out information about hey check out this new trip that we're offering to ride around Mont Blanc in Switzerland or in Transylvania or whatever. I mean like or I'm just getting ready to send an email blast out on Monday about all the fast rides that we offer. So it's y- you know the email blasts are kind of nice they're like little news flashes that come out about a couple times a month, not that much. Sure. Uh, and they're always welcome to email me. My email address is listed pretty much everywhere in all of those places, but I'm happy to talk to anyone directly.
0: Perfect. I'm going to sign up for your newsletter list and I'm going to go follow you on Instagram and Facebook just from like a little mental vacation. <laughs> Every Great. time I get something from you, just transport myself there. <laughs> Excellent. I'll look forward to it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, Stacey, what do you want to close out with? You know, when people look back on this fabulous interview with you, um, what do you want them to to remember? So closing thoughts, food for thought, where do you want to leave us with?
1: I will leave you with a thought. And it's it's not just a thought about you know, Hey, come on, take a trip. This is just sort of my life mantra. And I'm an avid reader. I, I absolutely always have a book going at all times. And so I generally live my life and I say horses, travel, and books take you to the best places.
0: Thanks for riding along. Know someone that would be great to interview, have questions you'd like answered on the podcast. Send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us and learn more about the Beyond the Saddle podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond the Saddle Podcast. Find more episodes anywhere that you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.